0: Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. It's been exactly a month since we last covered what's been happening within Hockey Canada. And in that time, we've learned a lot. There are now two sets of group sexual assault allegations involving Canadian World Junior teams. One that surfaced last month with members of the 2018 team, and another that came out last week, with members of the 2003 team. Sponsors like Tim Hortons and Canadian Tire have pulled out of the upcoming World Juniors Championship, scheduled for next month. Hockey Canada has reopened its own investigation to try and find out what happened back in 2018. And there are now two active police investigations happening. One in Halifax, looking at the 2003 allegation. And the London police have reopened their criminal investigation into the 2018 allegations. But there's still a lot we don't know. Like who the accused players are. And since no one's been charged, none of the allegations have been tested in court. This week... Hockey Canada officials were back in Parliament to answer for things. And their leadership was roundly questioned by politicians.
1: Why is it now in this moment that you think Canadians should trust you in Hockey Canada and senior management when you've been through these processes for decades? What's changed now? How is it? How can we go forward with the leadership team in the place today has been involved with the organization for a number of years and have had this attitude in the past. I want to know what you're going to do from now on to reassure parents as well. What are, how are you going to do? So there's, so, so there's no crisis? Oh, I never to said that.
0: I've Is said Okay, mag- so
1: yes or no? Yes or no? Is there a crisis in hockey?
0: One thing Hockey Canada officials were asked about was a special fund. It's called the National Equity Fund. And they've been using it for decades to pay out settlements, including lawsuits alleging sexual violence.
1: What we've seen from the very beginning of this is that Hockey Canada wasn't very public about these allegations. And by using this fund, it allowed them to pay it out quickly and it allowed not a lot of scrutiny on the whole process.
0: Grant Robertson is a journalist at The Globe and Mail and he's been investigating how hockey canada has handled the lawsuit regarding the 2018 allegations of sexual assault. He's on the show today to explain how registration fees that parents and players pay hockey canada have been used to pay out millions of dollars in settlements. This is the Decibel. Grant, thank you so much for speaking with me today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So we're speaking near the end of the day on Wednesday after the Heritage Committee wrapped up its two-day parliamentary hearings. Um, And these, of course, have been looking at Hockey Canada and its handling of sexual assault claims. You've been paying very close attention to this, Grant. What do you think was the most significant thing that, that you heard at these hearings?
1: Well, there were a few. I think the two biggest ones were to what extent Sport Canada knew about these allegations back in 2018 from Hockey Canada, and really the lack of oversight that Sport Canada was placing on Hockey Canada. You know, we know Hockey Canada has faced a lot of criticism for how they've handled this and the extent to which they did or did not investigate this fully. Mm. But in addition to that, Sport Canada, which basically is the funding body of the government and gives Hockey Canada millions of dollars each year, kept those checks rolling over the years, knowing that this case and these allegations hung over Hockey Canada and really didn't have a good sense of where the allegations were at, where the investigations were at. You know, we had heard that they weren't fully aware that the investigation had basically stopped. And yet they kept paying out those checks. So that happened on day one. That, I think, was a really surprising thing. Hmm. And then second, on day two of the hearings, we found out the extent to which this special fund Hockey Canada had to cover itself on alleged sexual assault cases to essentially settle these cases itself outside of its insurance system and outside of the courts, we found out the extent to which they used it. And that was fascinating because, you know, they said, you know, north of $7 million of payouts have been made uh, from this fund known as the National Equity Fund. You know, and I found that really interesting because I started asking them about that fund several weeks ago and you know, a month ago, we didn't even know this fund existed. And so to see them in the second day of hearings, just start disclosing the numbers of how much this fund had paid out and how many uh, sexual assault cases it had been used to do settlements on uh, was was really interesting. It was, I think, more than people expected.
0: Yeah. It, let's focus in on this fund specifically, Grant. This is the fund called the National Equity Fund. How would you describe that to people who, who've who never heard of that before?
1: What it is is a special reserve of money that essentially what they do is they, they charge uh, parents and players um, a fee when they sign up for hockey for insurance. But the fee that they're charging is, my understanding is, is more than what the insurance costs. So the extra money they put aside in a special fund and they also invest that money. So it, not only do they get money for it from registration fees, from from the insurance component of registration fees, but also from investment and, uh, interest income. And so they've built up this fund, which, you know, we were able to determine in recent years has exceeded 15 million. And it's used as this reserve to cover, you know, allegations of sexual assault. And they, they acknowledge today they use it in other cases as well. But in looking at sexual assault, they use it to cover settlements on that, that they either can't claim on their insurance or don't use their insurance company for. And, you know, what we've seen from the very beginning of this is that Hockey Canada wasn't very public about these allegations. And by using this fund, it allowed them to pay it out quickly and it allowed not a lot of scrutiny on the whole process.
0: OK, so there's there's a lot of details here that we, we are going to get into. I, I just want to clarify one point here. So this is a fund that is made up of essentially registration fees for Hockey Canada that parents and people have been, been paying into. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of called it like a secret reserve fund. Is, is it normal for an organization to have a fund like this?
1: And that's a great question. Yes, people have called this a, a slush fund. Uh, some people have called it an unregulated uh, insurance fund that was self-managed by Hockey Canada. There's a lot of different words for it, depending on who, who you talk to. Now, organizations do carry contingency funds for for various things. The key here is disclosure. Hockey Canada never disclosed publicly what this fund was for and what it did. Well, that's not a normal contingency fund. There's usually controls over contingency funds in terms of how that money is used and in what situations it can be deployed and it has to keep be kept in a separate account. This was just a big fund that they had access to at their discretion. And the key thing here, when I mentioned disclosure, this all comes down to what they disclosed. Because in general, you can't collect money for one purpose and use it for a different purpose. And so Hockey Canada was not disclosing to parents and players that a portion of their uh, registration fees, the portion on insurance, would, uh, would essentially be used to settle cases in this side fund that they operated. To really find the existence of this fund, we had to piece together... Uh, several different documents and then cross-reference that with mentions to the fund on their finances and then any references in their insurance handbooks. It was never disclosed in one place and, and really wasn't fully disclosed. So the parents and players who were, who were signing up for hockey, they didn't know that this is where their money was going. And, mm-hmm. and that's where disclosure becomes the real problem here.
0: Okay, so it does sound like the disclosure is a big issue here. Uh, let's actually walk through kind of how, how this would usually work with insurance, though. Because we learned at these hearings today that Hockey Canada also has sexual abuse liability coverage through their insurance company. So perhaps we can kind of establish a baseline here, Grant. What would be the normal way for a claim like this, a sexual assault claim, to be handled by a sports organization like Hockey Canada through regular insurance?
1: Well, the normal way, would they, they would find out about it and they, they would inform the police and there would be a criminal process that would begin. And if they were to want to settle this claim, or if they were to need to settle this claim through a lawsuit, they would um, make a claim against their insurance coverage. Because you're right, Hockey Canada, like many organizations, you know, companies would have insurance for this and Hockey Canada had extensive insurance coverage for it. So now the insurance... Uh, and this goes for all kinds of insurance. Um, the insurance company would want to investigate themselves just to make sure they're not paying out a frivolous claim. Mm-hmm. You know, I think anybody who's had car insurance or house insurance, you know, when you make a claim about an accident or maybe, um, you know, some damage to your house, the insurance company wants to investigate to make sure this actually happened and, and the facts are what the facts are before they cut that check. They would want to interview all the players. They would want to interview Hockey Canada. They would want to get all the details. And that process didn't happen here. And so that's where it became, you know, you mentioned normal versus maybe not so normal. That's where it deviated in that um, an insurance process would have instigated more scrutiny, really.
0: Okay, so what do we know about how Hockey Canada then handled the situation that kind of started all this, the the 2018 claim of the alleged gang sexual assault in in London? What what happened with this incident in particular then?
1: Well, we... We don't know a lot because, as I mentioned, the disclosure on this hasn't been great. You know, they at at the first set of federal hearings a month ago, they didn't even acknowledge that this fund existed or where they got the money from to pay the settlement. They just said we sold investment. Um, we liquidated a portion of our investments to pay for uh, pay for the settlement, and that that is set in a sorry kept in a separate account from what our government funding would be our business development and sponsorship funding, our ticket revenues, merchandise, and et cetera. And then it was only through our investigation and you know Hockey Canada confirming to me the existence of the fund that they were essentially forced to talk about something called the National Equity Fund. So the real problem here is that when this happened, they did talk to their insurer, but then they decided to go another way with it. They decided to handle it outside of insurance. Now we heard at the hearing, that they said they've determined that this wasn't an insurable case but they haven't been very detailed on what that what the definition of insurable or not insurable is why a case would be insurable why it isn't so it's unclear why why they didn't put this through their own insurance other than it would have been quicker to settle this case and it it, it happens with a lot less scrutiny what we do know about how they settled it is from the moment they got the statement of claim to the moment they informed the minister that a settlement was coming is three weeks. So what that tells us- Is that the, fast? Very fast. It's, it's very fast in in the sense if you look at other cases and we have that Hockey Canada has ongoing various lawsuits, for example, injuries. Um, in one of my articles, I looked at a case where they're currently in a, in, in a lawsuit with a player who got injured in 2014 and, and got par- partially paralyzed. And he's arguing that he- he didn't receive the insurance coverage in their policy that he's entitled to well that case has been going on seven years and this one was settled in three weeks or less with not a complete investigation they say they don't know who's involved they say they can't determine what exactly happened but they cut the check their argument for that is they took the victim's best interest to heart by saying well we didn't want them to be subject to you know litigation and have to go through a process we just wanted to take care of the victim. But in answering that, that raises a lot more questions about whether that was their full intention.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this point about the, the insurance route or the not insurance route is this is something that keeps coming up. This is a question that was brought up a few times in the parliamentary hearings. Um, mm-hmm. You know, why was Hockey Canada using this national equity fund and not its insurance? Uh, here's a clip that we actually have from, from the hearing of someone asking something similar.
1: Um, but I don't. Feel like you've answered why you settled through, why you didn't settle through insurance, why you settled through the National Equity Fund. Um,
0: so that was Liberal MP Tim Lewis. And I'm, I'm kind of struggling to understand this myself, Grant. Like, if mm-hmm. part of the typical process is for the insurance company to potentially clear Hockey Canada's name as, as part of its fact finding investigation, why would Hockey Canada circumvent this and settle the claim so quickly?
1: The problem everybody has with that. And the problem, you saw it from the MPs at the hearings. They're asking these questions. A lot of people are asking these questions is how do you settle if you don't know what happened and if you don't really know who's involved? And another one of the MPs, uh, Liberal MP Anthony Housefather, was asking, you know, that's highly unusual. He has a background in corporate law, so he's got some experience with this. He said that's highly unusual to settle on behalf of someone Especially when you haven't determined the facts. So you basically did you you didn't contact people even though you had their emails and you had their legal counsel's representation. You chose to settle without consulting with them. You then settled on their behalf. Okay, you had a claim, and you settled it within three weeks or four weeks of the date you received the claim. That is highly unusual. So
0: let me understand. And Hockey Canada says they don't even know. The, the the men who are accused here, the identity of them, right? So they're settling on behalf of people that they they don't they don't know who they are.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's the premise that uh, that they've put forward. Um, it, that also shines a light on really the quality of the investigation that might have been attempted on this. You know, one thing we heard on day one of the the hearing was that uh, you know the lawyer for the law firm Hockey Canada called in to investigate this. They were brought in to do an investigation, but really didn't complete that investigation. And we heard at the hearings yesterday that that investigation is now being done with um, a condition that if players refuse to participate, they won't be able to participate in any Hockey Canada events going forward, won't be able to play for Canada if that's available to them. And, you know, their names will be made public if they don't cooperate.
0: Hmm. This is new, though. This was not happening before.
1: Correct. And and that's the upshot of all of it. So what that tells me is, okay, now you're doing a real investigation with, with where people have to cooperate and there's punishment if you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the difference between this one and the, and the previous one.
0: Yeah. We should note that after, after your investigation came out, Grant, Hockey Canada announced that it would stop using money from this fund to pay for sexual assault claims. But before that, how much of each player's registration was going towards this fund that's that's being used to pay out sexual assault settlements?
1: It's hard to pull apart on, on a per dollar basis, but let me try to sketch a picture for you. Mm-hmm. So currently, Hockey Canada charges each registrant uh, $23.80 for what's essentially called insurance on your registration fees. Okay, And that gets broken up in different ways. Where the fund gets its money from based on what Hockey Canada has told me and very limited um, answers to the questions is that they collect money for insurance and then they use that money to buy the insurance coverage on behalf of all hockey players. But they collect more than what the cost of insurance is and so the difference is what would flow into this fund. Now, there's 600,000 some odd hockey players in Canada each year from as young as Timbitaki, you know, which is under seven, to, you know, senior leagues uh, for men and women. And so if we're talking, you know, as little as $2 per player, that's over a million dollars a year that, that flows into this fund. Um, mm-hmm. Plus the fund, I've found looking at the finances, earns in some years more than a million dollars in interest and investment revenue. So this thing is growing in two ways, essentially.
0: Okay, so is is this something then that every player, every parent every Canadian that's paid into hockey registration from Timbits all the way up, some something that they've paid into for decades now then?
1: It would appear that way.
0: Wow. Hmm. Earlier this week, Hockey Canada released an, a 19-page action plan, and it outlines how the organization is going to try to improve its culture, essentially. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the reality is they've lost a lot of trust from the public. We heard off the top of the show that a lot of parliamentarians have been Questioning whether their leaders are the right people to lead the organization, still. Um, Pascal Saint Ange, the Minister of Sport, she's questioned it too. And the Prime Minister himself has even weighed in.
1: I think right now it's hard for anyone in Canada to have faith or trust in anyone uh, at Hockey Canada. Uh, what uh, we're learning today is absolutely unacceptable. Uh, it's why. So,
0: Grant, from the people you've been interviewing, do they think Hockey Canada can, can survive all of this?
1: Well, that's, that's, you're really hitting on the existential question that hangs over Hockey Canada right now. The organization will survive, but what will it look like? To your point, we saw it on day two of the hearings as well, where essentially the MPs were calling for the ex- executives to resign. You know, it's the language they were using. They were asking CEO, current CEO Scott Smith why he thinks he can fix any of those problems. And he said, I believe that I am the right person to lead Hockey Canada to a new place. I believe I have the skill set to do it. And I believe I have the drive and commitment to do it and the respect of our board and our, our membership as well as our staff. If through the governance review or if our board were to change their opinion of that, I'm prepared to accept the consequences of that. But they were essentially saying, you know, we want to see heads roll at Hockey Canada. And I think that that could spill over into Sport Canada too. There could be people moved out of their jobs there potentially. The the damage from this is, is quite extensive. Clearly, the government has signaled, you know, not only the minister, but the prime minister and the MPs at the hearings, that they want to see a complete rethink, a reconfiguration of Hockey Canada. And... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the government can exert that change on Hockey Canada. We don't know yet, but clearly the language they're using is we're going to see a very different Hockey Canada come out the other end of this, I think.
0: Grant, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Before we go, I want to let you know that I'm going to be off for the next week, but producer Cheryl Sutherland will be stepping in. You can always reach me on Twitter at M-E-N-A-K-A-R-W or email us at thedecibel at Mail.com. Let us know what you think of the show or what topics you want to see us cover. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our summer producer is Zara Kozema. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.